hey, there's some questions that just stick with you. You know, there's some questions that just stick with you. Do you remember the first time you ever heard that proverbial question? If a tree falls in a forest and there's nobody around to hear it, does it make a sound? Remember that question? Some of you for the first time are going, yeah, wait, no, wait, hold on. Yes, no, yes. Some questions like that are, they're, uh, they're philosophical in nature. Some, some things... Some things are a little more pragmatic, you know? Some questions that just, you know, uh, they're just kind of mind teasers. Some, some, you have some that are mind teasers, you know? Which came first? Chicken or the, the egg, right? Yeah. That was easy, right? Yeah, it's chicken, right? right? You think so? Yeah. Yeah. For the rest of the message, if you have any questions, just ask Kayla. She's got all the answers. Some are a little more pragmatic, you know. Uh, how is it possible that Nickelback can make so many songs that sound the same but say apparently different things? Pragmatic questions. There's questions that, that sometimes when we hear them, we just kind of causes us to think just for a moment. A few months ago, we, we asked this group of people, or a similar group. Some of you here, some of you aren't here, but we asked a similar group of people. What do you want to talk about? What do you want to know? Let's let you, for a semester, let's you, let you generate the content, so to speak, of, of what we do here on Wednesday nights. That way, if you get to the end of it, you can say, well, I don't like that. I don't like coming on Wednesday nights because we don't want to talk about anything that matters. Well, I mean, <laughs> you came up with it. So, uh, but, but more importantly, we wanted to know what's on your heart. Um, and you asked some great questions. Questions about alcohol, questions about sexual ethics, questions about... Uh, the Bible, questions about how the Old Testament relates to the New Testament. We're going to get to all of that over the course of the semester, but for this week, we're asking the question, somebody asked the question, what happens to a person or persons who never hear the gospel? What if there was a man who lived on an island? Well, there's a group of people, there's a family who, who, who were born uh, on a small island somewhere, and they've lived forever, ever and ever and ever and ever there, and they've never, nobody's ever told them about Jesus. What happens to that person? Have you ever thought about that question? It's a pretty loaded question if you start digging into it. I mean, I mean, like, you know, you, you live in Cleveland, Tennessee, and there's churches on every street corner, and then there's, in between the street corners, there's buildings that have churches that meet in them, and there's church, there's three, or some of you that go to campuses where there's three or four or five Christian clubs that meet on your campus. I mean, you're just surrounded by the gospel. You're inundated by theology. I mean, the Bible uh, is, you know, is, is just everywhere. It's prevalent. In fact, you, you live in a culture that basically it's almost like culturally expected for you to be in church somewhere on Sunday morning. For somebody to ask the question, where do you go to church? You're kind of supposed to have an answer for that question in Cleveland, Tennessee, right? And you're kind of like some of you, some of you like it, it's ingrained in your family. It's a part of who you are. Whether you want to be here or not, you're going to be here. You have forced exposure to the gospel, but there are people, millions of them, living all over the world that have never heard the gospel. They've never seen a Bible. They don't have a Bible in their language. They don't have a written language. If you wanted to write a Bible down in their language, you couldn't because they don't have, they're oral people. They don't have, they don't have a Bible. So there's, there's and think about throughout the course of history, right? All these people, what do you do with all these people? What are some possible answers? That's what we're going to look at tonight and what um, what we're going to do is we're going to look at, uh, in the scriptures, we're going to look at the book of Romans. So I want to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Romans, chapter 10. Romans, chapter 10. 
Okay, so maybe you thought about this question before. Um, several of you asked it when we, when we kind of threw it out there to you. This was one of the top. We've kind of taken these in order in terms of how, how, uh, how much interest we had. And this was one of the ones that, that, uh, that we feel like a lot of teenagers are asking the question, what do you do with the man on the island? What do you do with the... the, the uh, and we're just kind of, kind of honing on that phrase because that's kind of the proverbial uh, expression for this problem, this theological problem. What do you do with the man on the island? Okay. And so we're going to look at Romans 10. Romans 10 is going to kind of be our guide to think about a couple of, a couple of things. Okay. We're, going to look at, um, we're going to look at Romans chapter 10, uh, and I'm going to start in verse 14, and then we're going to back up uh, some different places. We're kind of going to flip through the book of Romans, but we'll pretty much stay there uh, for the most part. We'll, we'll show you some stuff in Acts, and show you some stuff in Ephesians, and show you stuff in John. But for the most part, we're going to stay in the book of Romans uh, so tonight's going to be a little bit different in that we typically take one text, work through it tonight, and through the, for the course of the of the, the semester, we're at, we're taking a question and we're going to answer that question, uh, but we're going to show you how to do it in a biblical way. So uh, Romans chapter ten, verse fourteen, and it says this: How then uh, will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him in whom they have not who have, who have never heard? And how are they to hear? without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. We'll stop right there. The question begins, the question begins with the man on the island. Uh, And and the question, just so you know, the question is a little bit flawed. The question tells us a little bit about ourselves, and it tells us a little bit about the man on the island. So, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. I'm not going to ask you to publicly respond, but I want you to, to kind of respond in your own heart and in your own mind, okay? There's a couple of different responses. Um, how many of you, all right, how many of you think, when we ask that question, you're, you're first, if I say, hey, you've got to give me an answer and you've got to give me a little bit of a reason why, how many of you think when I say, hey, what, what happens to the man online who never has a chance to hear the gospel? How many of you kind of in your heart would say, you know what, that person, I mean, look, I mean, I've learned all my life that God is love and God is just. There's no way that God's going to send that person to hell. So there's got to be a way for him to get to heaven. Don't respond publicly, but how many of you in your own heart, in your own mind, think to yourself, hey, that's, that guy's, he's got to have, there's got to be some kind of, there's got to be some kind of workaround, right? There's got to be some kind of cheat code, some kind of, something's going to happen in order for him to get to heaven. How many of you in your own heart, in your own mind, say, hey, SOL, man. Sorry, out of luck. You just, you know, you just got the, you got, I mean, you're living on an island for crying out loud. What did you expect? You know, I mean, there's a lot of things you don't have. You don't have gospel, you don't have Walmart, don't have Xbox, you don't have, you don't have, you probably don't have cheeseburgers. I mean, there's a lot of things you don't have. The gospel's one of them. SOL, you're going to hell, man. All right, tweet that. SOL, you're going to hell. Okay. There you go, that's right. So the national public, those are kind of the two, like, those are kind of two camps. I mean, obviously, you can be stuck in the middle, like, I don't know, that's why I'm sitting here listening to you. I'm hoping you're going to give me some answers, okay? But, but most of you are probably going probably to respond one of two ways. Hey, listen, God is love, God is just, man, God is just, man, God is loving. There's no way he can say, because he didn't have a chance. In fact, I've been to VBS, and I know that the Bible says that <clears throat> the only people that, Go to hell are people that reject the gospel. And if he didn't have never heard the gospel, he can reject the gospel. And so, you know, something that, I mean, you can't you can't go you can't get punished for something that you don't even know you're doing wrong. He didn't reject the gospel. He's going to heaven. Some of you are thinking that you're trying to justify it in your mind because you've realized for the very first time, some of you for the very first time, you realize that there may be people out there 
that actually think that guy is going to hell. And, and inside, you're starting to get kind of angry. You're starting to get kind of frustrated. You're starting to kind of, maybe even you're starting to, to kind of push some of your frustration and your anger towards me. Because you're thinking, hey, he's kind of setting me up. He may not be thinking exactly what I'm thinking. And I know the Bible. I've been to VBS. I mean, I've, I've, I've done this. You know, I, I want I got the badges to prove it, man. And some of you, you're kind of like, I didn't even realize, I don't even know who these liberal hippie Christians are. What are these little yuppie people? What do you mean he gets to go to heaven? Why the guy, why would he get to go to heaven? Everybody knows you got to believe in Jesus, go to heaven. Why, what, I mean, you're kind of getting upset. You're kind of getting your, uh, you know, your skirt starting to kind of blow up a little bit. And you're like, I don't really understand what's going on. Why, why, like, why would we, why are we even talking about this? Who would even ask this question? S-O-L. The dude is going to hell. That's just how it goes. The guy, he's living on the island. He doesn't have Jesus. Do not pass go. Do not pass, do not collect $200. Sorry. Next question. Alright? Well, let's look at the Bible. Okay, let's look at the Scriptures. The question itself tells us a little bit about what we think. Okay? And how we internally answer that question tells us a little bit about how we think. Um. I'm going to go ahead and flip the cards for you because I, 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 there's no way to build this message in a way that like makes it super suspenseful. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and flip the cards for you. Okay, the man on the island. Okay, I think the scriptures teach very clearly. The scriptures on the, the man on the island okay, is really no different. This is kind of the theme of the message. The man on the island is no different than the man in the mirror, and he's no different than the man next door, and he's no different than the man across the world. Okay, he needs Jesus. The man on the island needs Jesus in order to go to heaven. But it may be for, like, but I want you to kind of stay with me because I'm going to unpack that, all right? But that's, that's the direction that we're going, okay? So a man on the island, if he doesn't hear the gospel, um, if he doesn't respond to the gospel, he's going to go to hell. I think that's what the Bible teaches. I think the Bible teaches it pretty clearly. But the question itself tells us something about it, all right? So uh, let's look again, Romans chapter 10, and he starts in verse 14, he says, how then will they call on him and who they have not believed? Okay. And whom they have not believed. Now take, keep, your, uh, keep your finger in Romans chapter 10, and I want you to turn over to Romans chapter 1. Okay. Romans chapter 1, because we're going to have to look at what does the man on the island have? What kind of resources, what kind of information, what kind of knowledge base does he have at his disposal? How can he make, what kind of things can he know? Because I'm going to basically argue that he is guilty. All right? I'm going to argue that he is guilty. He's just like you and me. He's a sinful little creature. And, <clears throat> and, uh, and so let's look at what the Scripture says he knows. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. Okay? The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Notice there's no distinction there. It talks about everybody. Who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Okay? So, the evil things that we do suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them. It's right there on the surface for them because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely... His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Okay, so one of the things that the man on the island can know, right, 
very clearly is that there is a God. Why? Because he's on an island, right? He's on an island. He's on land. He's surrounded by animals and plants and skies. He sees the stars. He sees more stars than we do because he doesn't have electricity, right? He sees the seasons. He sees the oceans, the fish. He, he can move. He sees that he is, the, he is the, 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 the master and commander of his own little island there, but he's also not. He's subject to the elements just like we are. He gets old. He gets high. He gets all those things. His body ages, okay? He knows, he can see the creation. Creation declares the glory of God, the Bible says. Creation declares the glory of God. And through creation, we can know that there is a God. Through creation, we know that there is a God. Romans chapter 2. Keep your Bible in Romans 10 because we're going to keep walking through it. But Romans chapter 2. Just flip over just one page or a little bit farther down. Look at verse um, Look at verse 14. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires. Okay, so he's talking about the man on the island. He's talking about people who don't have the law, but by their very nature, innately, they do the things that the law requires. They do things that are right. They become aware of a sense of right and wrong. They are a law to themselves. That there is imprinted in their hearts and in their minds and on their conscience, the Bible says, an element of right and wrong. Okay? They are a law to themselves, even though they do not know the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. On that day, when according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. So not only through creation, not only what we see externally, but what we feel internally. What we feel internally, look at, if you look at that scripture, and I, I encourage you to, to kind of highlight it and go back and read it again later tonight because we're not going to have time to unpack it as fully as we'd like to, to in order to answer the question in the most full way possible. But, but externally we see creation and creation declares the glory of God and creation, creation announces to us that there is a creator. Right? There has got to be something bigger and more powerful than, than just me. And our conscience declares to us that that creator establishes a code, an ethos, it's imprinted in our life a, a sense of right and wrong. And I shouldn't have to work very hard to illustrate this because we all know this, right? We all know that intuitively there's things, there's, there's unwritten law, there's natural law, there's things written in, 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 in eternity past and written and conscribed onto our hearts. Like, the, your school doesn't have, you know, they have certain rules for different things, different kind of, but there's certain things you know you just don't do to somebody, right? Certain things you just, you know, you, you, you don't do those to, to people. You, you know that, uh, you know, your, your, um, your school doesn't have any kind of rule, official rule about your friendships. But you know that by doing certain things, by divulging certain information, it's going to hurt another person. It's going to fracture that relationship, right? right. So, in, in, and so we, we know, even from, even, from, um, even from a very early age, we, we know there's a sense of right and wrong. So we can know God through those things, but the problem is we can't know about Jesus. We can't know about Jesus. So, so we can know about God. I'll go back to Romans chapter 10. Go back to Romans chapter 10 and verse 14. And he says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? Right? And how are they to believe in him in whom they have never heard? 
How are they supposed to believe in somebody, in something, in someone that they've never, they've never heard? They have information. They have just enough information. The man on the island has just enough information to condemn him to hell, the Bible says. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? So the first thing I want us to think about is, you know, what, what is this man on the island and what does he know? And the reality is he's just like, it doesn't really matter that he's on an island. That's kind of something that we do subconsciously to make ourselves kind of feel sorry for him. But I want you to look real quickly and um, take, keep, your, keep your Bible in, in, in Romans chapter 10. Flip over to the book of Acts and look at Acts chapter 17. Look at Acts chapter 17. Kind of to the left, just one book. Acts chapter seventeen, and we've got it on the scripture. We got it on the screens for you. We're going to start in verse twenty-two, Acts chapter seventeen. Paul had this same. So I want to show you that the man on the island isn't just on the island. He's ultimately is the man in the mirror. He's also the man across the street, next door, next class, around the world. Paul, uh, Paul. Paul meets a collection of these guys. Remember in the, early, in the very beginnings of the early church before, like Paul, this is the spread of, the, of, of, of Christianity, right? Judaism has existed for many years, but, but this, the full revelation of, of God's story, God's plan of redemption, all this is made, made perfect and made full in, in the person of Jesus. Paul is, is, uh, is a guy that's in the New Testament. He's, he's, he's instrumental in, in pushing and advancing this, uh, this gospel across the earth and across the known world. And in, in Acts chapter 17, um, <clears throat> Paul goes to the Areopagus in Athens, okay? And he says, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious, for I passed along and observed the objects of your worship. I found an altar with the inscription, To the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. And he goes and he starts to tell them the gospel. It's not enough just to believe in something. See, some of us would like to believe that the man on the island, he, okay, he, he sees creation. Creation declares to him there's a God. He, 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 he knows even within his conscience that there's wrong thoughts and that there's, there's sinful uh, things that he does. He doesn't do everything he should. He, he, do, he does some things that he shouldn't do. And so uh, we, we imagine in our, in our mind, we try to imagine, some of us imagine in our mind that, that he would establish some system of belief based on what he knows. That's what the Greeks did in Athens. That's what the Greeks said. They tried to establish and conceive in their mind a system of thought, and they built all these different gods to all these different things. They had a different god. You know, they had a god of of wind, uh, and and a god of a weather, and a god of agriculture, and gods of of fertility, and gods of all these different gods. And they had all these different gods with all these different sacrifices and all these different things. They created this system, this religion, to try to help them make sense of what they could know and what they could understand in the world that they lived in. And then, after creating all those things, they came over and they said, to the unknown God, because they realized that it, was all, that, that, that it wasn't all-encompassing. They, they realized that, hey, maybe there's something that we've left out. Maybe there's, there's got to be something else. So they created to the unknown God. And Paul walks by, and he, and he, and he walks through, and he, and he observes their culture, and he looks, and he says, hey, I know you're unknown God. All of this, all of this established system of, of religion that you've, that you've created and that you've, that's emanated just from this knowledge that you've perceived or that you've, that you've uh, uh, internalized, all of it really is insufficient. I'm going to tell you about the unknown God. Okay? And so there's, there's important content. It's called the gospel. And I want, I want to show you what Paul is talking about 
And so we're actually just going to back up in Romans chapter 10. We're going to back up in Romans chapter 10. And he's talking about uh, what it is that they hear. What does is, what is the man on the island actually have to hear in order to be saved? What does he have to hear? <clears throat> look in verse, um, look in verse uh, 8. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because, here it is right here. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You have to know about Jesus. And not just know about Jesus, you have to believe in Jesus, that Jesus died on the cross, that Jesus' death on the cross uh, uh forgives your sin. You have to believe in Him. You have to believe that Jesus was raised from the dead by God and that in that, you have faith in that and in that faith, you're saved. If you confess with your mouth that you are saved. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the Scripture says everyone who believes in Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, and for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing His riches on all who call on Him. For everyone who calls, listen, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But you have to call on the name of Jesus. Now I'm moving kind of quickly because it's, um, and I've got just a couple more minutes. I've got about, actually got about 10 or 12 minutes left. I'm moving kind of quickly through this passage because I want to leave time for you to do um, some Q&A. Because there's a bunch of different Things and we're kind of unpacking things lightly to give you a broad system of thought on how to answer this question. What about the man on the island? There's three things that I think are really, really important. The first one is you've got to understand the man himself. What does he know? What does he understand? How is he just like me? And the reality is just like all of us. He's born, if you look at Romans chapter 5, he's born a sinner. Romans chapter 5 says he is born, all of us inherit Adam's guilt. The first man, Adam, we were covenant together with him, and when he fell, the whole lot of us fell. Man, we're all corrupted, every single one of us. And that sin is punishable, and, and what it gets us is, is what we deserve is we deserve death. All of us. Doesn't matter where you're born. Doesn't matter when you're born. Doesn't matter who you're born next to or anything like that. That all of us deserve death because of that sin. But the man on the island can know a little bit about God. He can know creation. His conscience can tell him that there is a God. But, he, but that's, not just, that's not enough. He's got to know some, some more information. He's got to know the gospel. The gospel is what? gospel is the, 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 the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It's the fact that, that, that Jesus did all those things, and Jesus changes the whole game. Jesus changes the whole game. Look in, look in Romans chapter 10 again. Look in verse 15. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Right? He establishes first, how are they to call on him in whom they have not believed? How are they supposed to call somebody they haven't believed? What do they understand? And how are they to believe in him who they have not never heard? What do they have to hear? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And, and how are they to preach unless they are sent? See, the man on the island, for some, it tries... <clears throat> the man on the island, the question really, like I said, it tells us a lot about ourselves and what we believe about God. Because for some, they want to use the man on the island to kind of change the nature and the perception of who God is. So yeah, of course God would, of course, I mean, God, the man on the island, he would have to go to heaven, right? Because, I mean, he's never heard the gospel. What the text tells us 
is that this is the exact opposite. He's never heard the gospel. So he's going to hell unless somebody goes and tells him. Right? Sometimes we use the question about the man on the island and, 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 we, and we try to change maybe what we think we know to be true about God. We try to think, well, surely God, surely God, I mean, surely God, if he's love, if there's, if he's fair, right? If, if he's fair. Listen, I want you to imagine the guy who admits his guilt to a capital crime. Imagine a guy who admits, admits his guilt to a capital crime. In fact, he kills not just one person. He kills a whole bunch of people, okay? A mass murderer. He's guilty. He goes to the judge. He says, judge, I did it. I'm on videotape. I told people. I mean, there are witnesses, and I'm as guilty as I'm guilty, guilty, guilty. He sits on death row for a long time, and then suddenly um, the guard comes, unlocks the cell, slides the cell door open, pulls him out, says you got a new lease on life. New lease on life, and he drives him through Cleveland, Tennessee. Drives him through Cleveland, Tennessee. And he, uh, and he puts him in a, in a nice little three-bedroom, two-bath, 1,500 square foot home. It's clean. It's not brand new. It's clean, but it's got heat and air, and it's got windows, and he's free. He can do whatever he wants. And he's been kind of figuring out, you know, new life, and he's going through life, and he's been living in that house. Decides to take a walk. Decides to take a walk one day and he starts walking down Keith Street. Starts walking down Lee Highway. And he keeps walking and he, he comes to a fancy brick sign and some really nice shrubs and he says, hey, I think I'm going to go in here. And he starts walking around the Anatole subdivision. He gets home and he's just fuming, man. He is just livid. He calls up that jail. He calls up that judge. This is not fair. I never realized. There's all these houses in Antle. Why do I just have this 1,500 square foot, three bedroom, two bath house that just, why? there's all these huge houses. Why do they get to live in those houses? Why don't I get to live in one of those huge houses? This isn't fair. What you'd want to say to that guy is what? Fair. Dude, fair. Fair. Fair is the election, is the is the uh, is the electric chair. That's what fair is. Fair is you, 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 you were sentenced to death row. Fair? What are you talking about? Fair. The same is kind of true in the question about the man on the island. Fair for all of us. For all of us. All of our sin has condemned us to death. All of us. Grace, grace through faith in Jesus applies to some of us. And that should motivate us not, not, to, not to change our image or view of who God is, but it should motivate us to reach those people who don't know Jesus. It should, it should, it should compel us not to, not, to, not to adjust our view of who, of who God is and, and who Jesus is needed for some and not for us, but it should, it should drive and motivate us to think about, first ourselves, 
the, next, the person next door, the person on the other, to, to go and to reach, those, the, to reach those people. There are millions of people who don't know, they've never heard the name of Jesus. They're going to die. They're going to go to hell. The Bible says they don't know Jesus. Paul says in Romans chapter 10, how are they to preach unless they are sent? They, they've got to go. We've got to go. As it is written, verse, um, look at it in verse 15. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. In a nutshell, um, in a nutshell, the question, uh, what happens to the man on the island? I wish I could tell you, I, I think uh, angels come to him and preach the gospel. The problem is, there's no, there's no record of that in Scripture. Scripture doesn't tell us that. I wish I could tell you that God paints a beautiful picture in the clouds and spells out, believe in Jesus and you will be saved. Right? I wish, I wish that was the case. The problem is, I don't see that. I see Romans chapter 10. I see Paul compelling in, in, in writing and urging in Ephesians chapter 2 to go to those who don't know the name of Jesus because all of us, Jew or Greek, Gentile or, or, or believe, all of, all of us once were lost. All of us. All of us once were without Jesus. And Jesus, the name of Jesus, it's not belief, um, it's not belief in just some kind of form of Jesus. It's belief in Jesus. You've got to hear um, the gospel. And so um, some of you, uh, when I first asked that question, the, those of you that, you know, the SOL guys, you know, some of you kind of beat in your chest. Um, here's the problem, okay? Here's the problem. Um, the gospel should drive us to, be, to, to genuinely care for the man on the island. Okay? The gospel doesn't drive us to beat our chest and say, SOL, man, too bad. Wrong century, wrong time, wrong, wrong, you know, wrong continent. Just didn't work out for you, bro. And shame on, shame on me. Shame on you. If that's your response to the question, what about the man on the island? Does he have to know Jesus? Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Is he going to be held responsible for not knowing Jesus when his when his time on earth finally comes? Absolutely. But you know what? You and I are gonna you and I are gonna go through that same process. And we may know Jesus, but I think you and I are gonna have to give an account for how many times we sat and we heard a message like this, and how many times we read the scriptures, and how many shoulders of people that we read past that were on their own island. They're in their own world. They've built and constructed their own system of belief, their own system of thought. And they think, man, they're convinced they're on the right path. They're lost and they don't even know it. I think we're going to be held accountable for what we do and how, how hard we try to actually reach them. Let me pray for you real quick, and then, um, and then we've got some time built in. I'm going to ask, answer some questions if you have any, okay? Father in heaven, thank you for this, uh, this opportunity, God, to, to come and study your word, to answer a question, a hard question. God, it's, not, it's, it's entirely possible with a crowd here this size tonight, Lord, that, that we've said some things, and we've... we've We've extracted some things, some, some truth from the Scripture that sits uneasy on some. God, I pray that that uneasiness would drive us not towards the rejection of your truth, but God, I pray that it would drive us to share the gospel with people. And heaven, help us, Lord, if we ever 
get to a point where we beat our chest and we're proud of the fact that there are those who don't know Jesus and who are lost without you. Pray, God, that you'd use this time, these scriptures, this truth to drive us and drive our ministry into a, a period of time where we see lost people come to know Jesus because of the truth and the reality of your word. Pray all these things and hope all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So what questions do you have? Questions do you have? Take about five minutes and answer just answer just a couple of a couple of questions. Kayla, you can help me if you want. You know, answer some of the questions. What you got? Um, I'm not familiar with like the exact, so I, I'm not familiar with that exact instance per se. Um, the, que- the maybe the maybe the maybe the question, um, if you play a little a little game of of uh, you know what if what if there is a man on the island and what if creation and what if conscience and what if you know he sees all the things and he knows that he's inadequate and he doesn't construct his own but he believes and what if. What if he believes in a God and then God sends his son? The, um, and, he, and, he play, and, and what if he manufactures the gospel story? Okay, which is not exactly what you're saying. Okay, um, I would still say, number one, the human heart isn't going to manufacture the gospel story. The human heart's going to manufacture idols. And so um, it may be that, you know, it may be that there are some, there are some people who have, you know, oral traditions or whatever, and the gospel has been misaligned, and the gospel's been, um, I, I mean, I'd have to kind of see that in context and figure out, you know, what, but I know what the scriptures say is, is you know, your, your heart is never going to manufacture the gospel, okay, ever. Heart's never going to manufacture the gospel or, or, or imagine it. Um, and, uh, you know, um, you know, Old Testament believers, Old Testament believers were saved by their belief and faith in Christ, looking forward. Um, so that picture becomes much more clear on this side of the cross when we know the name of Jesus, and we see very clearly in John chapter 4, John chapter 6, uh, in Mark chapter 4, uh, that, that Jesus, and in Romans, again in Romans chapter 10, the name of Jesus is powerful and, and important in the gospel. You can't have the gospel without the name of Jesus. Does that make sense? So, I mean, I would tend to say, based on that scenario, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It's tough. Does that make sense? Does that answer your question? Does it? What else? Yeah. Yeah. So, by what you just said, you're telling me that if that man on the island is never found by another person, telling him that this is Jesus, that he's automatically going to help, even if he does Yeah, yeah. That the, 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 the um, <laughs> I'm not trying to be I'm not trying to be coy with your question, uh, but yeah, that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. Uh, that I think it's Acts chapter ten, the story of Cornelius. Is it Acts ten or is it Acts? Is it Acts ten, story of Cornelius? 
in Acts chapter 10, you have a, a, the story of a man named Cornelius. Um, we'll put it up real quick. Accessory, there's a man named Cornelius, a centurion of, of what was known to the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly a vision of the angel of God come and say to him, Cornelius, and he stood in front of him at the terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers... Your alms have ascended as a memorial before God, and now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner of the house by the sea. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants, a devout soldier from, <clears throat> from among those who attended him, and having related everything to him, he sent them to Joppa. He goes on, uh, and he sends, and, and, and so here I think would be the principle, okay? That if that man exists, and he's on that island, and he's doing his best to make sense of of. The, 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 and this is really the only instance of this in Scripture, that God will send an angel to guide him to the gospel and guide a man to him. Does that make sense? But he still needs Jesus. Cornelius is not a believer at this point. Peter has to come to him, tells him the gospel. He, he repents, accepts the gospel, and is saved. But at this moment, Cornelius, who is essentially as close uh, in Scripture to that man that you're talking about, he's still lost. So I think the... The, um, the scriptural principle is if, if that man, hypothetically, if he's taking steps towards God and he's, and he's trying to, that, that God's going to guide him towards the gospel and, and, and vice versa, bring the gospel to him. Does that make sense? Okay. But Cornelius, at this point, he's still, he's still not a believer. He still needs Jesus. still needs Peter to tell him about Jesus. Good question. Great question. And I'm glad you brought it up because I want to talk about that. There wasn't a great way to work it in without that question. So, who else? What else? There are no dumb questions, really. Okay. So glad you asked that question. Yeah. Okay. It's a whole other sermon, but let me tell you what I think. Okay. This is like. This is thus say I, not the Lord, but I think I have the Spirit of the Lord in this, okay? Um, I think babies, uh, I think babies and the the mentally disabled, I think are in a special category unto themselves. Babies, mentally, mentally, and and, and there's some, um, there's some transition that happens, and I'm not going to put an age on it, Okay? But there's some transition that happens in childhood where, where we become independent moral agents. Where we not only become aware of the, right, the, 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 the difference between right and wrong, okay, but where we become independent, free moral agents and we choose to do the wrong thing um, in a way that we, we also understand judgment. Okay? So, like... I don't personally believe my five-year-old, okay? I don't believe my five-year-old is a free moral agent. She can understand right and wrong because I tell her something's right and wrong. She can understand punishment. She doesn't understand cosmic judgment, the cosmic bigness of God. Um, she's, not a free, she's not a free moral agent, okay? Um, and, so I'm, and I'm not going to give you an age. It's the, the kind of common moniker for it is the age of accountability, all right? It's not, I, don't, I don't love the term, but I understand it, and most people understand it, and that's kind of what we, what we talk about. Um, I think babies, uh, I, I submit babies and children, I, I, you know, 
to a certain age or a certain marker, uh, marker of maturity, I submit them completely and wholly to the grace of a loving and merciful God. Okay. Um, there are some. I don't personally agree with them. There are some that would argue that there's no salvation for them outside of the name of Jesus. I don't personally believe that. Okay, someone should hear me. I don't personally believe that. Uh, but I, I see where they're coming from scripturally. I don't, I don't agree with them at all. Um, but but th- that's... So I put the, the mentally disabled babies and children up to a certain m- maturity marker under the same protection. Of just the, and there's, there's some script, there are some scriptural, there's some scriptural elements to break that up, but it's basically the love and mercy of, of God. Does that make sense? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm using. I'm using. Um, uh, no, you don't. Um, Cognitive development, cognitive development is not dependent upon uh, cognitive and moral development is not dependent upon context. Okay, so like a three-year-old, um, and, and we're starting to split hairs of the hypothetical, and all hypotheticals break down at in some instances. Okay, but uh, you know, a three-year-old on an island, there's a lot of things he doesn't understand. A 25-year-old on an island. That there's some things that he's going to learn just from experience. Um, he, doesn't have to, he doesn't have to understand gravity to know that the coconut's going to fall from the tree. Okay, the three-year-old does, I mean, he, he doesn't, he's not going to understand the coconut's going to fall from the tree. It, neither one of them necessarily going to know why, I mean, because he's not going to understand the force of gravity necessarily, but the 25-year-old's going to understand everything is ultimately going to come down that I put up, unless it's supported by an equal or opposite force. Does that make sense? I mean, I mean, I, I just think, I think the, the, the weight of clinical psychology says that's not necessarily true. So, I mean, I disagree with you, but I mean, I, I see where you're going, and I, I, and I appreciate your heart for trying to figure out how do we, how do we get this guy in the, in, the, in the fold, in the kingdom, so to speak. Again, the answer is, We've got to we've got to find them and we've got to tell them about Jesus. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, you're fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would I would put that person in the same classification as um, you know. You hear terror stories of of 
five-year-olds who are abducted and they're brainwashed, right? They're 27-year-olds, but, they're, but they're, they've been kidnapped, abducted, and they, they, they're essentially still cognitively, they're five. They have the capacity physically, physiologically. I mean, I, I'd put that person in a very special category, um, that a, a very, very, very special protected category that, that doesn't apply to the millions and millions of people who don't know about Jesus. Does that make sense? So if, is that category, category justified by biblical scripture or is that category justified by what you think? Yeah, no, I think, I think there's several. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and if you want, I can, I can throw out some links to some stuff on infants specifically that kind of applies to that same class. Scripturally, I think there's a lot of stuff. I think there's a, over, personally, I think there's a lot of stuff in, in uh, the response of Jesus, the, response, the different responses of Jesus, and I think in the Psalms that, that, that support that. So, yeah. 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 I think I think that um, I think that that free that moral agent is is that capacity um, for guilt and sin in in Romans chapter five. I think is a huge part of that. Okay, that they that they can know um, they can know through their conscience uh, that that they're sinful. I think that's a huge part of it, and that's and that's what delineates uh, that's what delineates uh, the the infant, the unborn, the young child, the you know that special kind of protected class, uh, and you know, and the the uh, independent, free moral agent, adult, young person, what have you that that doesn't hear of Jesus. They're still condemned. I mean, if you go back and look at Romans two. Go back and read it. They're still condemned by their conscience. Okay. Yeah. I think the moral of the story is like we can play what if games until the morning we're done. The moral of the story is to realize that yeah, maybe that person won't go to heaven, but it's our job as Christians and individuals to, to find that person and tell them the gospel. The, what he just taught isn't about whether he's going to go to hell or heaven. It's really about Yeah, I think that and the the reality, the, the reality and the nature, the 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 ugliness of of sin, of our sin. Our sin is just as is just as uh, repulsive to God as the man on the island. Okay, and so, yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. No, he was he wasn't saying that, and neither was I. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think Jesus is going to come back until everybody's in heaven. I think he's going to come back in the 
Okay, hold off on that because we're going to do some stuff on Revelation. And that's, that's a path we absolutely can't go down right now. Yeah, hold on. Shh. Hold on. The question is, the question is, what, what, is, what about free will? And we're actually going to do a whole, there's, there's a whole other week on, on the process of salvation and man's response in that, okay? But what I, what I would say is, um, is a free, will, a free will response requires a fair hearing of the gospel, which, re, which is in itself a, a spiritual act. There's, there's a spiritual element to it, Okay. And, and the Bible says there's a, there's a prompting of the Spirit that allows you to respond to the gospel. Okay? So you, you, you don't have a, you, there, there's not, it's not possible to have a free will response to something that you haven't heard. That's the whole point of Romans chapter 10. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. Brooke, we'll do one, we'll do one more after this and we've got to wrap it up. Uh-huh. Growing up, um, alone. Yeah. I mean, not, not, God would have with that. Okay. You're saying, preacher, I love you, but I disagree with you. Okay? Because grace. And I hear you. And I hear, like, and I affirm and applaud your heart in that. I really do. Here's what the, okay, here's, let's look, if we look at, if we look at grace, can you throw up, guys, can you throw up Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8? Hey, Cameron, can you throw up Ephesians 2, verse 8 for me? Let's look at grace, because grace is the means of salvation, right? Grace, none of us deserve salvation. All of us, all of us are saved by grace. But let's look at Ephesians chapter 2. Listen, shh, listen right here. Ephesians, we'll start in verse 4, actually, guys. But God, being rich in mercy, okay, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and in, 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 in our sin made us to alive together with Christ. Okay? So it's God who initiates. God who initiates uh, made us alive together. By grace, you have been saved and raised up with Him and seated with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Okay? Ready for it. For by grace you have been saved. How? Through faith. Okay. And how do they call on Him in whom they have not heard? You, faith, faith is what opens the door for grace. Okay. And so you have to have faith in something. Okay. And that something is the gospel, and the gospel is when you hear. Does that make sense? Okay. I said one more. Yes, sir. Hold. Shh. Yes. Yeah, and that's that's exactly right. So, okay, and this is this you you led me into my closing kind of appeal. Okay, um, 
the last thing, okay, the, the last thing, okay, the last thing that Jesus does before he ascends to heaven, right? Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Jesus tells his disciples, therefore, okay, go into all the nations, right? Go into all the nations, preaching the gospel, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay. All right. If the only people, if the only people that are condemned to hell are those that reject the gospel, so I want you to check, think on, hey, you guys focus with me, okay? I know you've hung with me a long time. If the only people that are condemned to hell are those that reject the gospel, wouldn't the most loving thing to do, wouldn't the most loving thing be to disobey the Great Commission and not tell people about Jesus? Because if the only way that you are condemned to hell is to reject the gospel, and I know you don't know Jesus, and you've never heard the gospel, aren't I opening the door for your condemnation by giving you the gospel? Aren't I, aren't I exposing you to a risk, to a danger, by telling you the gospel, I'm exposing you to a risk, to a danger, that, that if I were just to keep my mouth shut and to keep the gospel to myself, then you would, then you would just get to float through and you would get to pass go and, and you, you, you get to go to heaven, right? And so if you back that logic up, why do we even need the gospel? If you back that logic up, if everybody goes to heaven, why do we even need the gospel at all? Okay. So, um, so the, it's listen. Um, I wish it were different, and it's like this way in a lot of things in Scripture. Okay, I wish it were different. Okay. I really do. I wish. I wish it were different because it'd be easier that way. Because then we could just be comfortable, right? We could be comfortable. We wouldn't have to worry. We wouldn't have to go to Haiti. We wouldn't have to go to New York. We wouldn't have to, we could go to, we could go, we'd go to Haiti to be on the beach. We'd go to New York to shop and see shows and do all this thing. We wouldn't, have, we wouldn't have to go to those places and be burdened by the fact that they don't know Jesus. But they don't know Jesus. And, and Jesus says go, right? And Paul, when he's laying this out, part of the reason he says go is because there's people out here that don't know, and without Jesus, they're not going to heaven. Okay. They're not going to heaven. All right, let me pray for you, and then we'll be dismissed. Look, if you have extra questions, I know there's a lot of different topics. Um, there's a lot of different side tangents. We opened the door to a lot of stuff. We did that intentionally. Want you thinking? Uh, we'll, we'll help resource you as much as we can. These are good questions. Okay, these are good questions. Go to the scriptures uh, and not and not just your your gut all the time. All right, Father in heaven, thank you for this day. I thank you for the 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 freedom, the environment to come and to, to ask difficult questions. And, uh, and God, I pray that, uh, that we can, uh, that, that we can um, learn and grow. Uh, and God, ultimately, I pray that you would, you would burden our hearts for those who don't know Jesus. And, and we pray all these things, we hope all these things in Jesus' name.